At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. If you're like me, you spend lots of time pouring over maps, looking at weather data, all in an effort to help predict when and where my best times to hunt will be. It'd be nice if there was a reliable source with all this information in one place. Enter the Spartan Forge app. Unlike some other predictive apps on the market, Spartan Forge was created from military combat intelligence experience tailored for hunters and stands at the nexus of machine learning and white-tailed deer hunting. No more man-made algorithms. This is a predictive model based on real GPS collared deer data, historical and predictive weather, and the next level of mapping imagery, all at my fingertips. I've been using the iOS app this season, and it has replaced all my other mapping tools. Visit SpartanForge.ai and sign up today, or head to your iOS or Android app store. Use the promo code TRUTH to save some money and download it today. Mobile hunters, if you're interested in upping your mobile game, then head to tetherednation.com and check out their saddle gear. There are a few things you can actually buy that will help you become a better deer hunter or give you the freedom to hunt any tree or any situation. This is the reason why I started saddle hunting in the first place and why I use Tethered's gear. I can honestly say that Tethered's saddle gear has changed how I hunt for the better. Big tree, little tree, from the ground, it doesn't matter. I'm untethered by my gear to hunt the best setup for the situation, instead of hunting for a tree that my gear can use. My current core setup consists of the Phantom Saddle, Tethered One Sticks, and the Predator Platform, along with an assortment of their accessories. So if you want to up your mobile game, head over to tetherednation.com. Welcome to the Truth From A Stand Deer Hunting Podcast brought to you by Spartan Forge. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you're listening to episode number 309. Today, we are traveling across the globe hunting with my good buddy, Johnny Utah Mulligan. So stay tuned. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday to you. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are feeling fine as you're listening to this. I am in the throes of a, of a Kansas hunt, and uh, I'm actually recording this up front well in advance uh, to make sure that I had a podcast for this week because I just wasn't sure with my schedule in the evenings, getting home late. You know, these travel hunts can be um, a bit of a grind. So a lot of times when I get home in the evening, I don't feel much like uh, doing any work of any type other than just getting some food in my body and, uh, and passing out. So hopefully the hunt's going well. Hopefully everyone's November is off to a killer start. Hopefully there's tags getting filled. Um, I look forward to checking in on social media, kind of seeing what's going on with all you guys, guys and gals. But truth be told, I usually take this time just to do a nice recharge, try to stay off of social as much as possible. Other, other than just to kind of check in with some buddies 
and stuff like that and use this time not just to hunt but also just to kind of have a um a digital reset where i just kind of get rid of all the electronics for a week and just focus on being outside and uh and chasing whitetails i'll have a full recap for you guys when i get back we'll do a recap show um at, at, at some point here. But with that, uh, we're going to go ahead and just jump into today's show. Have my good buddy, Johnny Utah Mulligan on. You guys know him. You love him. He's a multi-time defender on this show. Uh, so John, this past year, I think the last time whenever he and I did a podcast together, he had mentioned it about possibly going to South Africa or maybe at maybe when we did the last one, he had already had it scheduled. But he ended up going to South Africa, I think it was in August, if I'm not mistaken. I forget the exact dates. Um, but it was one of those things, it was interesting because you know, John and I, whether we talked about it on the podcast or offline, we both were kind of always hesitant about it. You know, we had heard, you know, or had, not heard, but had some, you know, preconceived notions of what hunting South Africa might might be like. And uh, John shared those same kind of preconceived notions. And, but was like, you know, like John usually is, he's up for, you know, anything really, you know, it's like, Hey, you know, if I've not tried it before, let's, let's give it a whirl and see how, see how it works. You know, don't, don't knock it till you try it type of type of approach, which is one of the things I like most about him is he's always down to, uh, uh, down to get involved and just kind of try something out and then have an opinion about whether or not it's for him or not, or not for him or whatever the case is. And so we talk a little bit about his, uh, his South Africa hunt, the animals that he saw, what he was able to, you know, um, not burying the lead here. Don't want to give too much away, but he he did fill multiple tags on that trip and he came away with a different kind of perception or perspective of what it is like to hunt South Africa. And I think that's important for, you know, white tail hunters or just normal people to go do this type of hunt to bring back an honest kind of representation of, of what it is to kind of uh, remove maybe the, some of the stigma or maybe some of the, 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 the poor feelings that, that some may have toward, uh, hunting South Africa or hunting just different continents in, in general. And so he did that. And then in true John fashion, he's just been kind of on the move all fall. You know, he had an awesome Colorado mule deer hunt. We talk about that. Some funny stuff happened in there. Um, he's been in Wyoming hunting mule deer as well. He's been, he was in Kansas and then he's now back in Iowa focusing on, on whitetails. I think he's going to head back to Kansas. We might actually be in Kansas around the same time, just depending um, and not far and not too far apart from, um, from one another. And then he still yet has his, I think Canada hunt coming up, uh, again, this, this, uh, this winter, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So super awesome episode with John as usual. Um, going to go ahead and just jump straight into things today. As always want to thank you all for listening. All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of the truth from the stand deer hunting podcast. Take number two. Johnny Utah and I <laughs> taking number two with a little technological difficulty. What's going on, brother? Hey, what's up, man? We uh, haven't done this in a while, and maybe, I don't know, man, I just hadn't restarted my computer in a while, so I did a little restart, reset the modem, we should be good. Yeah, I uh, I always have to remember to do that, man. It's like, all of a sudden, my computer starts acting, acting jacked up, and I'll be like, when is the last time I actually restart this thing? Like, and I'll have oh, to, yeah. you know, and it, it'll be like months because I never restart. Yeah. Life. No, it was, it's a legitimately, that's the first time I've done it in six months. Yeah. That's not a bad run then, you know? Yeah. And it's we some, did all right. Some relationships don't last that long. So we had a good run. That's exactly, exactly <laughs> right. Yeah. Nice. I'm impressed. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, man, we haven't had a chance to talk in a while because you just been kind of jet setting all over the place, dude. Like you are, uh, 
I know. Well, we talked. What was that? Like early spring, maybe, or something like that. If I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, it had to have been spring or late spring, something like that. But it, yeah, we haven't talked at all since like late summer and fall. Yeah, because you've just been a man on a mission between photo work and and hunting <laughs> and just like flights here, flights there. It's like I just try to keep up with you on Instagram, like try to figure yeah, out where, yeah. where where Utah is at. I know when you're driving because we still call when we drive, so I know that's happening. Uh-huh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. But, uh, dude, you've been so, so far you've been, and we're going to cover these, but you've been Colorado, South mm-hmm. Africa, yep. Kansas, yep, Wyoming, yep, and now you're back in Iowa. Yeah, back in Iowa now. And then there was also a Texas trip in there, too. Okay. What was the Texas yep. trip? Um, I, I went, well, the idea was to go down there and just shoot a bunch of pigs, mm. but, um, Really bad droughts and things were pretty slow, so it turned into a jackrabbit hunt real quick. Nice. How was that? There's a bunch of dead jackrabbits. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. What uh, yep. did, we, did you guys run dogs or anything, or was it just how did? Nope, nope. Well, we did. Uh, we did. We we had we ran UTVs and and lights on our uh, ARs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> And uh, it wasn't so well for the jackrabbits. Right. <laughs> Did it remind you of your days of door kicking? Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. There was a lot of that. Yeah. There nice. was a lot of go, go, go on your right, on your right, on your right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was right. fun, man. Nice. It was a good time. That's awesome, dude. I've never, uh, I've never done, well, I've never hunted jackrabbits in general. I will say that I saw the biggest effing rabbit that I've ever seen whenever I was in Idaho. And it scared the living crap out of me because yeah. I walked behind my tent to take a piss. <laughs> and when I walked back there, I didn't have my light on. So I just flipped my headlamp on real quick. So I didn't, cause I knew there was like a small stump that wasn't far behind our tent. And so I'm uh-huh. walking back there and I'm like, Oh man, I should probably just flip my light on. So I don't trip over this freaking thing and like eat it. You know? So I flipped my light on and there's this rabbit that's sitting there that like hops, like two hops. As soon as I got <laughs> close to it, when I flipped my light on. Yeah. And that thing was like, I don't, it was like a, big as like a small dog like it was uh-huh. huge yeah. i was like holy shit i was like look at the size of this rabbit and i think it yeah. was i think it was a snowshoe because this time that time oh, of year they're, yeah. they're brown and then they and then they turn white uh-huh but then i told this story previously the effer stole my sock like took my what? sock from my off my boots the damn thief a thieving rabbit dude yeah so I had, I had like a pair of like really nice like kennetrek hiker socks uh-huh. And I had them laying on my boots outside of my tent to dry like overnight because they're just sweaty or whatever. Sure. Uh-huh. And I laid them there with my boots, got in my tent. I came out the next morning. There's now one sock. Like, <laughs> so there's going to be well, a rabbit in Idaho that's got like the got like the pimp den. All yeah, exactly. Get a trick. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Man, let's let's hope it was a rabbit and not something else. You know. Oh, we did have a creeper roll in like the mm-hmm. first night that we were there. That was a little, uh, a little unnerving. I heard it coming through the brush, like behind our tents. Uh-huh. And so there was me, our camera guy, and then Wilson was on the other side of him. And there was like a space, like in between their two tents and mine, I kind of purposefully tucked in between two trees close to like Kobe's tent. Yep. That way nothing could kind of get in between us, you know? Uh-huh. And, uh, so I heard it coming and I was just so tired that night. I was just like, whatever, I'm 
going to sleep. I don't want to know if it's going to eat me. If it's going to eat me, I just want it to happen. I don't want to like, it, like know if I gonna, die, I die. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to know it's going to happen, you know? Yeah. And Wilson <laughs> said that he was laying there and like he saw it pass by his tent and kind of come back. So he had his gun laying, <laughs> laying there. Wasn't sure what it was. It's like, did you get a good look? He's like, I didn't want to know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, dude. Yeah. Bears, bears are legit. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll talk about that here in a second. Cause I think you had some, you had some, you were in bear territory when you were in Wyoming. Oh yeah. 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 Which was, which was legit, but we'll, we'll start at the top. So yep. I want to talk about your Colorado hunt, man. Cause I know muleys has been on your list of things. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, um, going into the Colorado hunt, um, I had never pursued mule deer mm-hmm. period. And I mean, you, you see them when you're shed hunting out West and, and I see them when I'm antelope hunting, you know, in Montana, but I've never had a tag for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so going into the hunt, my only base knowledge or training, so to speak experience was, you know, from pronghorn hunting and it is very similar. Mm -hmm. Um, the terrain's a little different and, um, you know, pronghorns will bed up in the middle of an open field uh, sage flat or something or ag, you know, or some alfalfa somewhere. But, um, you know, I, I knew that the muleys were going to bed up on hillsides and some scrub oak and they were going to be in the shade and, you know, buddy of mine, you know, Jason Matzinger, I talked to him before I went and I said, he got any tips for me before I go. And he said, glass, every piece of shade you possibly can and expect them to be in a place where you're like, there is no way no living creature would be bedded up in, Oh, Holy shit. Look at the ears on that thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, that was what I had, but so I went out there with a buddy of mine and I've met a lot of weirdos on social media, but I met Hi, my good... name's, my name's Clint Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've met some weirdos, but I met a good dude out in Colorado. He actually lives in Texas and my buddy Brennan and, um, of course, with the name Brennan, we got it was nonstop stepbrother jokes. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, where's your but where's your brother Dale Brennan? Right. You know? But uh, <laughs> so anyways, that was pretty funny. But I, I meet this cat and we started talking about bows. And that was kind of how we, we started chit chatting and whatnot. And then he kind of makes a comment like, hey, you ought to come out and hunt with me. And I'm like, yes, you can like steal my kidney or something or a liver, you know, like. <laughs> Right. So we end up making, making this hunt happen. And, um, and I got a tag, uh, went out there to hunt with him and, you know, the first day he kind of showed me his style, you know, the way that he does it. And, uh, it was a lot of, a lot of glass, a lot of driving, covering some, some area, whether it be in a side by side or in a truck and, you know, whatnot. And on day Day th- we had a bunch of rain and mist and, and we kind of lost a day of hunting. But on day three, we decided, okay, I kind of know the game plan. I kind of know the strategy. And he said, all right, I'll tell you what, you're in your truck. I'm going to get in a side-by-side and you check this basin. I'll check that basin. And they're just two drainages that ran parallel basically. Right. And, um, we can kind of divide and conquer if we see, if we glass up something that looks stockable, you know, we'll link back up in about 45 minutes at the bottom of these two drainages. Cause at the very bottom was a road. 
and we'll just we'll meet up down at the at the road and then you know hey what'd you find what'd you find and we'll go for whatever this is a higher probability stock so it's like ready team break and we separate me and my camera guy split off and then he goes his way 10 minutes after separating we drop into this uh, into this drainage and i'm like oh my god there's two stud muleys right there they're only 150 yards away and they're about to bed up behind this scrub oak so the problem for us is we were in a truck uh, on this two track and there's about 20 yards we have i guess put it this way the easiest way to explain it we need to get 20 yards away from the truck to be below them and then they can't see us anymore and I'm like, but how are, like, how are we going to get out of the truck opening doors and all that kind of crap? So we wait for them to go in behind this scrub oak. And I'm just like, go. And in a, in a hurry of getting out of the truck, I don't even shut the truck off. The truck's still running. <laughs> That's awesome. We bail out. We get down to the very bottom. It's like, okay, now we're about 110 yards away from these muleys. And, and they didn't see us. So then we just start you know, knee crawling, belly crawling, side, you know, knee walking, monster crawling, whatever we got to do. And the wind's in my back. And as we go up in elevation, the wind keeps shifting a little more to them. So I'm kind of, I'm using, you know, I'm using the, the, the Johnny Utah mullet and that's my windicator. <laughs> you know, that's how I know from my hair. I, if I feel the hair, my, the hair coming over top of my ears, on my right side, I'm like, Ooh, wind shifting. Ooh. Okay, we're good. And, but then if I start to feel it on my left ear, I'm like, Oh, we got to, so we're just kind of working up and then working sideways, working up, working sideways, just keeping that wind in our, in our advantage. And before I know it, I close in, I'm at 42 yards and there's this big rock outcropping next to the sage or to the, to the scrub oak. And I can range that. And I know that I'm within a yard or two mm -hmm. of them um, at that rock. So I'm like, okay, now I've seen this done on hunting videos before. And, <laughs> and the internet celebrities, they always say that they had to wait out the mule deer for seven hours before he stood up from his bed. And I'm like, I can tell you right now, I will be bored to death, you know, in seven hours. <laughs> right. So I'm like, okay, but I'll, I'll give it a couple hours. Right. You know, I'll, like seven minutes later, I'm like, screw this. This sucks. You know what I mean? Like I'm bored <laughs> to death. So what I do is I start to shift myself to the point where I know that the edge of my scent cone is actually going to hit the deer right in the face. So I start working my way two foot, another two foot, but I'm keeping that same distance. So I've already got my sight dialed to 42 yards. And I'm already on my D loop as well. So I'm trying to get everything out of the way that as soon as one of those muleys stands up, I can just come to full draw. Mm -hmm. And that's all I got. It's the only thing I have to do. So then I was like, I don't think this is going to work. They're not, they're not standing up. Okay, screw it. I just came to full draw and I'm like, I'm just going to hold it and I'm going to stand up and that'll force them up. So the first one, it works, but he just stands and runs all in one motion. I'm like, shit, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> so then the second one is kind of like, he doesn't, he was not at the edge of the scent cone. 
So the one that was to the left caught the wind or scent or movement and he, you know, skedaddled the one that's on the right. It's just, he kind of stands up and he's looking around like, well, shit, where'd my buddy go? And he takes one step up and I'm like, Oh, there he is. You know, I, I, I got vitals. And then he takes one last hop and I'm still at full draw. So I'm trying to gauge the hop. I'm like, and you know, you know how it is out West. What looks like two yards is really 10, you know? And so he takes one little hop and I'm like, uh, auto calculation in my brain at full draw. I think maybe he's at 45 yards. I'm going to hold just a smidge higher than I would. Well, that two or three, what I thought was two or three yards turned out to be like seven or eight yards. Um, you know, and that's, that's that depth perception problem out West when you have, you know, you, the uh, clouds is the backdrop, right? So, um, I shoot and I end up hitting him low and it actually just completely unzipped hit the, the bottom side of this muley and everything just starts falling out. I mean, guts, liver, stomach, it just, the iron wheel just it was right across and it unzipped him. Um, I had an entrance and an exit, but at the bottom of that belly, what I ended up having was like a six inch cut and then another six inch cut of opening and everything's just dumping out. And I was like, Oh my gosh. So I knock another arrow. I scramble up to the top of this Ridge where I see him trot off, but then he goes to a walk. I get to like 60 yards. I range 60 dial to 60. I come to full draw. He takes off running and I'm like, okay, let's see what happens here. He runs about a hundred yards and I see him bed up. So the first thought is he's going to die. And if I don't bump him, he'll probably die right there. But I know there's a lot of coyotes in the area and I also know he's suffering. So I'm like, Mm, let's see if we can pursue quietly and maybe I can go ahead and get a second shot quick and, and put this, you know, put this to rest. So we're still, you know, we're slow stalking. I've got an arrow knocked. I'm already, you know, on my D loop and I'm just waiting to draw and I'm just scanning, scanning, take a couple of steps, scan, scan. I know about where he is, but he's in this scrub oak. And I'm looking back at my camera guy, Cody, and I'm like, hey, do you like if you see him, you know, say something, you know what I mean? It's kind of like at the airport. If you see something, say something. Right. So he's like, I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. And then all of a sudden we see him stand up. He's 20 friggin' yards away. I'm like, ah, crap. But he stands up and he bounds off. And again, more and more stuff from his stomach is falling out. I'm like, oh, my gosh. You know, I'm like. We have to keep pushing him. You know what I mean? We have to keep pushing him. Like I said, I don't know how long it's going to take for him to die, but you know, there are some times that I will always err on the side of push and get another arrow in him. I hate the whole let him lay overnight. And I understand there are times you have to do that, but this was two o'clock in the afternoon. So daylight was not our enemy in this situation. Coyotes are. Um, so I'm like, I, I got to keep pushing. So he runs about 100 yards, and then we lose him. I'm like, okay, let's wait about five minutes. Let him get good and comfortable in a bed, and we'll go again. Same thing happens, except this time it's 26 yards. 
So I look at Cody and I said, all right, this is what we're going to do from this point forward. We are just going on blood and we are going to follow blood. And that's what we did. So for the next 40 minutes or so, we just tracked blood, 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 blood. Next thing I know, I'm like caught off guard because he's bedded right in front of me at 15 yards. And there, he's not getting up. He just turns and slowly looks back at me like it's almost like he looked at me saying, bro, just finish me. Put right. it, you know, let's get this over with. Put another arrow in him. And then that was it. Um, you know, he bound off 40 yards, you know, and, and crashed in some scrub oak. And again, we were supposed to meet up with my buddy Brennan and there's no phone service. There's no cell service. Meanwhile, so he's like at the. Meanwhile, your truck's still running. The truck is still running. Yes. Good. I'm glad you picked up on that. So we get down to the bottom of the hill and I look on, you know, like on X and I'm like, okay, my truck is two miles away on the, at 9,700 foot elevation on the top of this mountain. And we're at the bottom at like 7,000 foot, you know? And I was like, ah, oh, dude, what the hell? Um, so we get down to the bottom of the road. It's completely dark at this point. And I'm thinking, surely my buddy Brennan's like, okay, it's dark. I got to go find these cats. Like, what if there was something, something happened to him? And I'm thinking he's going to be driving up and down this gravel road and he never does. So I just start hoofing it back to his house because I know they have four wheelers at their house and maybe I can hotwire one or find one that keeps in it or gas. So I walk about a mile and a half back to his house, get a four wheeler, drive back to Cody. And I'm like, hey, Cody. I was like, keep the coyotes off the mule deer. You got to stand protector over this dead muley. <laughs> and uh, so anyways, we make it back to the house and, you know, I was like, Brendan, you never came and looked for us. And he's like, ah, shit, you're fine. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm like, no. I was like, we had a headlamp, you know? Um, so he's like, what do you want to do? You, you're like, you want to celebrate a, with a beer or you want some bourbon or let, you know, we got to celebrate. And I was like, well, first we have to go back to my truck and turn the truck <laughs> off or at least get it off the mountain. <laughs> so we went up to go get my truck and we drove it down and, you know, then we celebrated, but, nice. uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was man. Cool, Dude, man. that's a hell of, that's a hell of a freaking hunt, man. Like the whole, like the guts falling yeah. out, like tracking, like dude, as soon as you said the truck was still on, I was like, oh yeah. This is going to be a while. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Truck was still running. Yes. Yep, that, so that, burnt, that trip cost you like an extra, extra hundred bucks just in tank. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just sat up there running, man, with the AC on. Right. I got up there. Everything was all fogged up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was like I said, when it's go time, it's go time. And I, I didn't think about anything else. That's but, right. um, so got that done and, uh, you know, we, we got him hung up and then the next morning, uh, it was, it was pretty chilly. And, um, so anyways, we got him, got him hung up, caped out, meat stripped off, packed in ice and, and then, um, you know, started, started the trek back to, uh, back to Iowa. Cause I, you know, I was leaving for South Africa in a few days. Yeah. So got everything taken care of with the taxidermist at Old Barn and. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome, dude. Like that's, I, so I've only ever had, so when I was in Montana, that was a combination mule deer and elk and elk hunt. And I was at full draw mm -hmm. on two different mule deer and they're just super, mm -hmm. I mean, there's, 
if you've never hunted them before, for, for someone who's never hunted them before, it's like they're it's kind of crazy how big they are. I mean, they're you know they're kind of like a white tail, but just like the body size is like the yeah. difference is insane. Like just like the the size, mm-hmm. not just the antlers, but like the body itself. Like they're just a big a big animal. Yeah, just in general. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I actually saw some mule deer last year when I was in Kansas too, um, which was kind of cool. Like yeah. m- mixed in with whitetails. Like I was watch, I was glassing the CRP mm. field, and there was like some some deer, and I was watching these couple bucks, and then. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. I couldn't, I was far enough away to where with my binos, I couldn't, I could tell that there were bucks, but I couldn't really make out exactly what they were. Um, yep. just cause I was using binos at that, at that point, I didn't have a spotter at, at, for that particular mm-hmm. hunt. And, uh, all of a sudden something spooked and one starts hopping. I'm like, Oh shit, there's a mule deer. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. I thought they were all white tails kind of hanging out together. And then, you know, the only way I could tell was like the, when they started running, the one was hopping, the other, the rest of them were kind of uh-huh. you know, running like white tails. But yeah. So you get back home, your next trip is, is South Africa, which I know that that's something you, that you, that there's an animal in particular that you've wanted to hunt for forever, Yeah, yeah. you know, for, yeah. for very specific reasons. And so you had the chance now, and we've talked about this and I talked to you after you got back from South Africa, we, uh-huh. we had a quick chat on the phone, but mm-hmm. you know, how was, uh, so just in general, what was your kind of impression of, of South Africa? Well, you know. I was one of those people that when I looked at South Africa, I'm like, uh, it's high fence hunting and, you know, it's for, it's for, you know, fat, rich dudes, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, that's kind of the way Africa was pitched to me. And a lot of that was probably driven from the fact that I was like, I'll never be able to afford that. So instead of calling myself poor, I'll just say, you know, I'll just find everything wrong with South Africa and, you know, hang my hat on that. Right. Um, as I got older and as I've gotten more into hunting and had opportunities to have in-depth educated conversations with people that know more about Africa than me, um, I started asking the right questions. And what I found out was that it is their economy. And, you know, I kind of, if anybody hasn't watched the episode, uh, I encourage you to watch the episode because at the intro, there's a segment where I'm talking to one of the, the PHs, what we call guides, they call professional hunters, um, where he goes in depth and talks about why they even have fences. And to further go into that, um, you know, it was during even as early as the 1600s that game became monetized hey, there's a value to these things out here. And it almost obliterated between war, fire, and overhunting. It almost eradicated all the animals in South Africa. Then they their government started adopting some policies that not weren't exactly for conservation efforts, but it worked out that way. They said, hey, we want you guys to put up some friggin' fences. Because we got too many animals crossing the road and people are hitting them and crap all the time. It's causing wrecks. So here's the deal. You pay for the fence. You put it up. You get to keep whatever's inside your stock. And so now think about 
if if you have a resource that once it's gone, it's gone, um, you're going to protect it. So the easiest way to do it with an animal that breeds is to make sure that they keep breeding and you don't overhunt it. You know, it's no different if if I've got X amount of food to last me a year. Well, I'm not going to overeat. I'm going to ration it out to last. So it's a different, totally different conservation model than what we have in the States, but it works very well for them, you know? Um, so that was neat to see, uh, firsthand, but, um, you know, it's a 15 hour flight over there from Atlanta to Johannesburg. Uh, the majority of those flights are at night. So what I did is I kind of stayed up really, really late for a couple of nights, you know, beforehand. So I'd be extra tired man, I watched some movies and I was out. I mean, I slept like nine and a half, 10 hours of the flight. I watched two movies and boom, we're there. Um, Johannesburg was a lot nicer than I thought. Um, I guess I had this perception that it was going to be like poor and like ratty or something, but it's actually a really nice airport. And um, the outfitter that I went with is uh, a company called Rhino Land Safaris. And if anybody has any interest in going to South Africa, to me, the hardest thing is there's no Yelp, right? So you almost have to know somebody that went there to get a good, legitimate review. Um, so I'm giving a very positive review of these guys at Rhino Land Safaris. And if you mention Johnny Utah or you mentioned Primal Divide, they will do a 5% discount and 5% adds up real quick, Yeah, you know, on, on a hunt like that where you might spend five or six grand, you know? Right. so. Um, you know, going into it, they had sent some paperwork and they wanted to know if I had any allergies or what meals I preferred. And then, you know, what style of hunting I was wanting to do and kind of what I wanted to get out of this experience. And and I told them a list of animals that I wanted to chase. Number one was an impala. Um, that's more of a sentimental animal. Uh, my number one big game is, uh, was a kudu. And then at that point, I'm like, hey, whatever does my whatever an animal, you know? Yeah. And sort of um, you know, in their voice, oh, okay, Uncle Johnny, we will we will make sure you you have an opportunity at those uh, animals. So um <laughs> anyways, I get there, um, we get checked in that night, and the place that I hunted was about three hours away from Johannesburg. And so take a little ride over in one of their Toyota Hilux, which we don't have here in the States, but it's a right-hand drive Tacoma on steroids. That's hmm. diesel. So they're badass. I don't know why we don't have them in the States. If we did, everybody would have one. That's kind of crazy. Uh, it's, so they're, they're, it's a diesel. It's not a gasser. No, it's a diesel. They're wow. so badass. I mean, it's basically a Tacoma with an extra sport package put on it. Um, and they're all tricked out with racks and winches and you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, you can pull an elephant with get, it if you want to. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then when we get there, they have all like the model, like the 70 series land cruisers. And I, I will own one of those at some point. Um, but they are so friggin' awesome. But, um, so we get there and we get checked in and we head out the first morning and because I was doing bow, we did do a lot of blind hunting and this concession, Rhinoland, is the second largest concession in South Africa. And it's like 50 square miles. Wow. Like, think about that. That's yeah. crazy. I mean, so right out of the gate, 
everything that I had been told about South Africa is going out the window. They actually have a natural river that runs through, you know, their property. And there are a lot of South African outfitters that are small, you know, 10, 10, you know, 10 acres, maybe 20, uh, 20 acres. And they don't have water. So they have to do water holes. And unfortunately, what they have to or will do sometimes is maybe decrease the water a little bit. And right before the hunter comes in, turn the water on. That's one way to guarantee the animals come to the water hole, you know? Right, right. So there was none of that going on at Rhino Land uh, with, with having a natural river that went through there. But so we head out and, I mean, dude, we're there's leopards, there's cheetahs, tracks that I'm seeing. And uh, the first couple of days, we didn't have the best weather. And I would see like... Again, I've never seen these animals before except in pictures, right? And so I'd see an impala and I'm like, ooh, there's a good one. And my pH is like, no, 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 no. We we can do a lot better than that. That's kind of a young one. We don't want to kill the young ones. You know, we want to take the mature, mature rams. I'm like, bro, I'm telling you right now, I'd be happy with that thing. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to hold out. So like three days had gone by and I hadn't killed anything. And I'm like, damn. Like, come on, I, I'm right. I'm itching, I'm jonesing, you know what I mean? Like to shoot something. And so anyways, we have a baboon that comes in and he's like, he's like, shoot that friggin' baboon. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to shoot a monkey, man. You know what I mean? Like it's right, just right. a baboon. It's like, it's a hairy version of me. And, uh, and he's like, he's <laughs> or, like or you might, that. or you, uh, yeah. or you might be a hair, uh, a hairless version of it. <laughs> exactly. Very true. <laughs> Very true. And he's like, dude, shoot that friggin' baboon. And I'm like, oh, all right. So I, you know, knock an arrow and come to full draw and I shoot this baboon. And he dies the way the old cowboys died in the old westerns back in the day. Like right. super dramatic. And I'm like, oh, good Lord. I'm like, I'm feeling kind of bad about shooting this baboon. So we get back to camp and, uh, the owner of the operations like, Hey man, he's like, I heard you shot a baboon. And I'm like, yeah, he's like, what, do you feel bad about it? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Shooting a monkey is kind of weird. He's like, let me show you a video of what baboon, what baboons do. So he pulls out his phone and shows me this video of these baboons running down these Impala fawns. And the youngest one is slow. Can't keep up. It snatches it up by a leg and just shucks it like an ear of corn and just starts eating its guts. Yep. It, it's a, it, I'm like, it, that is, it was crazy whenever you and I were talking violent about it. Thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Whenever yeah. you and I talked about it, when you got back home, cause it, like, cause you said that and you, and you kind of were like, I forget what you said to me. You said something to the effect of like, you probably feel some sort of way about that. You know what I mean? And I'm exactly. like, and I was yeah. like, I'm like, yeah. And, and you were like, yeah, me too. He was like, you, you know, you said until I saw, and I was like, oh, and, and then it made sense to me. I was like, that's their coyote. Like that is exactly. Yeah. And that's what he said. He said, he goes, I think you guys, uh, it would be a coyote, you know, uh, for you guys. And I watched the video and I'm like, yeah, dude, screw that baboon. Right. <laughs> like I'll shoot every those that I see now. He's like, we go out every year and we try to kill as many as we can. Um, but it doesn't even put a dent in them. He's like, that is what eats our young animals, eggs, 
you know, fawns. I mean, they're just savages, you know, and they're mischievous. They break stuff. They, they've, uh, they had some telephone lines that they climbed up and ripped telephone lines off poles. And he's like, they're just, they're, he goes, they're just a bunch of assholes, <laughs> you know, like they're horrible. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so we've, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a kill down and, and then after that, things just started clicking, you know, the next day I shot a warthog and ironically the warthog that I shot, um, a poacher, um, had shot through the fence and, um, uh, injured the back leg of this warthog. And it was just, you know, it was in a bad way. So that was kind of a mercy killing, you know, I went ahead and shot it and put it down. Um, cause if you don't, then that's just going to allow cheetahs and leopards are going to start coming into the area to right. come get it. And then once they get there, they're not just stopping there, you know, right. they're going to munch on some other things. So shot that. And then I shot a jackal, which is like, uh, kind of like a coyote slash fox, you know, and in size, it was kind of closer to a fox, you know, in size, but it kind of looked like a coyote, you know, that's weird. Um, I always, for, was, some, for some reason, I always thought jackals were bigger and I don't know why. Yeah, no, it was, it was kind of small, you know, mm, like a really small coyote, you know? Um, it always makes me think of the band Jackal too, the, in the song, the rock me, roll me, jackal me <laughs> off. Like, <laughs> yeah. I can't help. Well, it's probably, uh, I think, uh, cartoon because jackals are bad guys. Right. They right. make them more fierce, you know, mm -hmm. in, in movies or depictions or whatever. But, um, so I shot that and I'm like, man, like I still want to get to this Impala. Finally, I have an opportunity that um, I shoot. I shoot an Impala, and the Impala, the first Impala that I shot, would have been the equivalent of like in Iowa, a five or six year old whitetail that was 110 inches, mm. fully mature, spreading bad genetics. Right, and. The Rams, uh, the the Ram Impalas are kind of like pronghorn and and elk. You know, they have a harem. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's that that's his women, and so he's the only one that gets to breed them. So you know, you then you kind of start to see the importance of why they want to get rid of him. You know, right. get him out of there for breeding season. So I shot him, um, and then the next day I have an opportunity at a really 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 nice. Impala. Now, what's funny is an okay Iowa whitetails, like a 140, a giant Iowa whitetails and 180, mm -hmm. you know, 40 inches of difference. Right. An Impala, an okay Impala to an awesome Impala, we're talking two inches. Oh, really? <laughs> is the difference. You know what I mean? Maybe right. three inches. Right, right. It's crazy. That's funny. So I'm looking at it and he's like, okay. He's like, now this is a trophy. And I was like, what? It looks the same as the last one that I killed. And he goes, oh, no. Oh, no. This is this one's a trophy. And then once I got them side by side, then I could see what he was talking about. And it's just like kind of the, the way they sweep in and then it kind of flares out. And Right. So sidebar, the reason why an Impala is such a big thing for me is before my dad passed away, you know, that was the one thing that my dad and I did together is we restored a 1963 Impala Supersport and it's tattooed across my back. Um, it was one of the first tattoos I ever got. And um, uh, so that 
that has always been like an animal that I said, man, if I go there, it's an animal that I want to, I want to shoot. So, um, so that's the reason why Impala was so high. So now that's awesome, man. Like I, the, I was, I, I knew a little bit of that backstory. So whenever mm-hmm. you got the Impala, like I was, I was super stoked that, 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 that came to fruition for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Super, super cool. And, and then, you know, of course I have to strip my shirt off and show the guys in Africa. Of why. course. Yeah. <laughs> They were like, man, this guy really wants to shoot an Impala and an Impala is really not what most people come here for. You know what I mean? But, right. um, yeah, so that was super cool. And, and then I'm, I'm like, they said, okay, you know, we're down to the kudu. And I said, all right, let's, let's get it done. And, um, it's the second to the last day. And we have, we go to this, this big, uh, natural pond on the property and we had sat there for two days straight, bell to bell. And it's like 95 degrees. And we're dude, in a you blind. Were, you were telling me about the blind and just like the heat. I'm like, oh my God, dude, I think I would have fell out just like oh. from like the like intensity of the heat, just straight exhaustion, like heat stroke style. Yeah. yeah. A gallon of water. And I'm like, literally took one leak, you know, all day. <laughs> and, that, and, and that uh, was like orange. Like this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It was like brown you yeah. know, coffee, you know, I'm like, Oh, this is horrible. Um, it gets, it's getting close to last light. We have one that comes in and he's a good Impala, not a stud, but a very respectable sorry, kudu, a very mm-hmm. respectable kudu. He comes in kind of blindside quiet. And there was another one that was in front of us, a juvenile. So if we're all kind of locked in, on this juvenile none of us really pay that much attention to the one that sneaks in and he sneaks in like at seven yards it's no different than a white tail or you know and my camera buddy drew reaches up and he's making some shutter speed adjustments and i'm like no 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 like now's not the time to even be touching the camera because the kudu is looking right at us, you know, and um, in the episode, you can see the color change on the screen and then he just bolts and it's like, oh, my God, the camera saved another animal. So the next morning, Drew, camera guy, Drew, he had to leave. He had uh, his day job. He had a he had to go to Germany. Oh, so he flies out. Yeah. So he's gone and I'm thinking, oh, well, man, so close. I've got um, one basically day, like a half a day left. And then it's time to start getting all the paperwork done and, and, you know, get ready to leave. So myself and the PH go out together and I said, all right, man, bring your rifle with us. I've got my bow. And if we have a situation where there's a really good kudu, and it's outside of bow range. I'm going to pick up the rifle and, and I'll do it. So I drive around, drive around. We're cruising. We're stalking. We're walking. We get back in. We drive some more. And um, he ends up spotting one at 239 yards away. And I was like, well, I can't do that with the bow. So I'm like, give me the rifle. So he had a 338 rim mag uh, suppressed and... He he threw that over to me and and I was like, man, I don't know. And I looked at it and it had a loophole scope on it. And I was like, 
well, now I just got the good juju. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, since I work with old and, and I was like, what's the chances that I had a loophole scope? So I was like, all right, screw it. Let's do it, man. Um, but, uh, ended up shooting him, made a, made a phenomenal shot on that. It's probably one of the best shots I've ever made on an animal with a rifle, but uphill, basically free handed on the side of the truck. <laughs> and, uh, he was quartered to me, hard quarter to me. And I put it on the inside of the shoulder nice. and, uh, just obliterated, just a great heart shot. He ran 20 yards and that was it. He was done piled up and, and, uh, the guide, I know the guide was pretty pumped up. And on the episode, you can hear his reaction in the background. And he's like, good job, Johnny. Good job. Excellent job, Johnny. You whacked him, <laughs> bud. You whacked him. Oh, dude, that's and, awesome. Uh, so, so we run up and I handed the camera to him and I said, just point it in the direction of the animal and do the best you can. You know right. what I mean? Right. And he did an excellent job, man. He was rock solid. That's so awesome. we go up to it. And, um, as soon as I turn the horns up, you know, to, to look at him, he's got a friggin' unicorn point right between his eyes. That's awesome. And dude. so I'm like, Hey, he's got a unicorn point. And he's like, what? Oh my God, that's rare. You know? Nice. Um, so I'm like in fitting John fashion, you know, I have this knack for like, you know, first pronghorn, Boone and Crockett, first bear, the fifth largest bear in Canada. Right. <laughs> My first kudu, he's got a unicorn point. Like, right. I don't know. What? So, so I, I, I know nothing. I know nothing about critters in Africa. So give me a sense of like a kudu, like the size, like scale of it in comparison to something we might hunt in North America. Um, 600 pounds. Okay. About six foot at the shoulders in height. Okay. So kind of, I mean, I referred to them as kind of like an elk. You right. Know? That's what I was going to say. It'd be like a, yeah, like kind of like a, like a cow elk. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. just like a skinny, uh, you know, juvenile elk in size. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, the, the spiral horns ended up being 54 inches each. Ooh. And, uh, like 12 and an eighth, um, bases. Holy smokes. So he's, it's big. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's big. So and, where, um, where's that, where's that going in the house? I don't know yet. I have no idea because <laughs> I don't even have the moose up yet. So Dude, I don't, you're gonna have I to, have, you're no have to buy idea. a new house. I know. I know it's getting <laughs> bad. Well, and I'm starting to get a little heat from mama. Because at first she was like, whatever, you know, he's going to put a few dead animals up. And I mean, now we're, you know, just in the family room alone. I think there's, I think there's like 18 whitetails and a couple of pronghorn and full mount bear. And there's five turkeys <laughs> uh, in there. So it's there's like, actually my Saskatchewan buck is laying on the floor in my office. I haven't even had a chance to hang him up yet. So it's like Dr. Freaking Doolittle over there. <laughs> yeah. It's starting to stack up. And, and I mean, and there's God, I mean, there's two impalas, a kudu, my Colorado muley. Um, they're all still at the taxidermist. So, and yeah. the moose. Yeah. They're starting on the moose in a couple of weeks, but, um, yeah, I don't know, man. The champagne yeah. problems. I'll figure it out. Once yeah, I get yeah, them all here. exactly. There's worse problems yeah. to have, right? Right. 
I'm feeling like there's yeah, a yeah. I'm feeling like there's an addition in your future to the house. Yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be something. There's gonna have to be yeah, there's gonna have to be something. She's well, and she's been starting to push on me right now. And and I mean, she's right. Like I would love to have a, an offsite office, you know, mm-hmm. something that's just for Primal Divide and Johnny Utah Creative and Bourbon Barrel and have all three businesses. And so I've been looking at some real estate. Um, and then I remember I'm poor. Um, so yeah. that kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Remembering that sucks. <laughs> I had that reminder. Yeah. Yes. I had that reminder the other day I was actually on online and, uh, I was actually thinking of you cause, uh, I'm hoping I can come out to Iowa next year. Fingers crossed that I can draw. And so I was <laughs> already starting to think to like, yeah. all right, cool. I want to come out and shed hunt again, you know, make a trip out, see John, do some shed hunt and stay for a couple of days, you know, hang out and then, you know, get ready to come out in the fall. And then my mind starts wandering and I start looking around online at farms in Iowa, you know, and I'm like, oh, this one ain't, ain't bad. It's like 93 acres. You know, it's a good, it's a good farm. Maybe I could partially move to Iowa or something, you know, maybe I could get the wife to be cool with that, you know? And, uh, and then I remembered, like you remembered, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. poor. I'm poor. So that, <laughs> that, that, yeah. dream, that dream left real quick. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sucks, man. Yeah. Cause like I said, I was, I was looking at some commercial properties the other day and I'm like, man, these would be, these would, this would be perfect. It's, it's in between my house and the gym and, you know, this would work out really good. And then I start crunching the numbers and I'm like, no, I'm poor. It's probably not going to work. So I got to figure something out though, because it would be nice. Um, it would be nice to have an outside facility, you know, especially I'm getting really close to maybe hiring a full-time, full-time camera guy. And, you know, I don't want to have somebody like hanging out on the couch in the family room or, you know, cause my office is a room in the house, but you know, yep. I mean, if the dude needs to take a deuce, I don't want him deucing in my bathroom. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. Right. It's yeah. just little things like that, you know, and, and it's just kind of unprofessional, like, you know, to be inside the house like that. And, but you know, you do it because it saves money. Right. I mean, I'm yeah. not, I'm keeping overhead I'm keeping costs down and, and I don't know now's the time to try to spend a bunch of money. Interest rates are stupid. Yeah. And what's going to happen with the economy? I mean, some of my marketing partners that I work with, even though I feel like I kicked ass for them this year, they might start cutting some budgets. And usually marketing is one of the first things to get cut. So um, so it, it's just that there's a lot of unknowns. So I'm like, well, maybe I need to wait and see. I need to get get through contract season, which is coming up in a you know another month or two months. Once I get through contract season and I know what's locked in for twenty three, then then maybe I'll pull the trigger on something. But until right. then, we'll just kind of ride it out. Yeah, there you go. Maybe we go in halvesies. Maybe we get a little place that way. I got a little spot to squat. You know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I and and that was another thing I looked at too was maybe just try to pick up a couple of acres somewhere. And when mm-hmm. I say a couple, I mean under 10, um, and then just build a pole barn or something out there on it and, right. you know, do that, you know, yeah. finish out a pole barn and, um, and then kind of have a little spot. You yeah. Know? That'd be um, great. So that, that so would work great that, for that's even an like, option. yeah, that would even work great for photos, 
to stage things, you know what I mean? Like as a backdrop, exactly. like with a pole barn, you know, it'd be a nice place to like, you know, if, if you had some equipment or something like that, tractor or whatever, eventually, you know, on a piece of property or something like that, that you have a place to store that kind of stuff. Maybe build a race car, yeah. you know, do that again. <laughs> yeah. You never know. You never know. God, man, I, Oh, I'd love to get back into that. Well, and that's, that's kind of, you know, one of the guys that I've been talking to about potentially hiring on full time, as I said, look, you know, if I had somebody full time, it opens up a lot of avenues. And, you know, if I had this remote location, you know, this might be where I go get like an old fifties international pickup truck and park it out there for like, you know, high school senior photos, or I might do some and get, you know, have props and different mm-hmm. scenery to do engagement photos. And he's like, Oh man, like, you know, you want to get into that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, but you got to pay for yourself somehow. So like I'll book them and you go do them, you know, but, right. um, so it would open up some opportunities, you know, yeah. to do some other, other things to help justify, uh, the cost of having, you know, having a full-time guy. And so, well, so, I, I want to, anyways, wanna, yeah. So I, I get back from, no, I was going to say, I want to move to the Wyoming thing. Cause I know you got like there, there, you were in some significant bear country out there, dude. And I, I had a little taste of it in Idaho yeah. and that was, uh, it's a little unnerving to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. No. And the area that I went to, so I, I drew, I drew a rifle tag, um, mule deer rifle tag for Wyoming and didn't know a whole lot about the area, but I knew that I had a buddy of mine that lived there and, you know, he was local and have some local Intel. It's where he's hunted for the last several years. So I was going to kind of feed off of him a little bit. And then there's those two wrestler kids that get mauled and they get mauled like five miles from 10, maybe 10 miles from where we're going to be. And I'm like, wow, okay. That shit kind of got real, you know? Um, <laughs> so we, I, I, I asked my buddy, uh, Justin, um, I said, Hey man, the grizzly's pretty thick out there. And he kind of laughs and he's like, you, you being serious? I'm like, yeah, man. I was like, I'm just asking. I was like, I'm not, I'm not pussing out or nothing. I was like, but I'm just kind of curious. Like, are the grizzlies pretty thick? And he's like, bro, you're coming to the number one county in the United States for grizzly bears. In the whole lower 48, this is the Mecca. I'm like, oh. oh, okay, cool. I'm like, all right, well, he's like, yeah, dude, you're hunting in an area that it is required. You must have bear spray. I was like, oh. Okay. All right. It's not an option, you know? (laughs) So I was like, all right. So, I mean, I'm, I'm ready to go like pistol and bear spray, you know, uh, on me at all times. But, you know, we, we went into an area the, the first day and I saw some grizzly shit and I saw a few grizzly tracks, nothing, nothing real fresh. And even the grizzly shit was like, yeah, it was probably two, three days old, you know? Um, so I'm like, okay, but it's a little hairy because where we were hiking in, it was a lot of pines. So like, if you were going to see a grizzly, it was going to be inside of 10 yards at the first set of eyeballs you see, which means you're a dead man. So there's this little gap for like the first half mile of the hike in, 
And we get through that and he's like, oh, I'm glad we're through that. He's like, that section kind of scares me a little bit. I'm like, man, I'm glad you kept that shit to yourself when it's dark outside. <laughs> you know, I'm like, shit. Yeah. Like, dude, dude you, like, he's like, would you have rather known? I'm like, eh, I guess not. I was like, you know, ignorance is bliss sometimes, right? Dude, that's exactly it, man. That's why I was saying whatever, whatever came into camp that night, like, I didn't want to know. Like, I'm like yeah. whatever. <laughs> yeah, I was like, man, all those twigs that I heard breaking, like, I probably would have, like, give myself whiplash, like looking behind me, you know, but I purposely was sandwiched. I had my buddy, Justin, he was in the front and the camera guy was in the back. And I was like, I'm using the old noggin. I'm strategically sandwiched between these guys. You know what I mean? Right. Hopefully he's fooled by the time he gets to me. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, but, um, you know, my buddy, Justin was, he was good. You know, I've been bluff charged by black bears. And that's unnerving, but I've never had any grizzly encounters. Um, so, you know, he was, he was a good host and, and he reminded us both, uh, myself and Cody just said, Hey, if we see one, don't run, please. For the love of God, don't run. If we're stacked up, you know, uh, in a line, just everybody slowly come up and go shoulder to shoulder and kind of make a wall just to show exactly. There's a lot of people we're a bigger object, you know, cause if he sees us all center stacked, he might just think it's one person, you know, but, um, he's like no fast movements. Don't yell. Um, and you know, he looks at Cody. I don't know why he, I think he thought Cody was going to be the one to retreat. And he's like, seriously, bro. Well, I don't want to see your ass and elbows and feet running down the mountain. And it's just me and John standing here, you know, got to fight this grizzly. So, um, <laughs> I'm thinking, man, I don't know why he called out Cody shit. I might, it might be me. You know what I mean? (laughs) I I, I ain't going to be the fastest. I just got to be faster than one of you. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, shit, you know? So, um, anyways, no, we, so the first day, you know, like I said, we didn't see anything. We, we saw a couple of, a couple of does and, and, you know, and Justin was like, man, it's hot, you know, like this time last year, we already had a couple of snows and it had already started. The migration had already started. And it was like a parade, you know, every day we were seeing a couple of different bucks and, um, I'm like, ah, you know, Hey, it's day one, no big deal. So day two, we go up and we take a different route. We go up to the top of this Ridge where we can glass and have a little bit better you know, view. And it's like, Hey, I got a buck. And we had sat in a position to what was comfortable. I found a rock that I guess he found a rock that he could lean against. And it meant we were kind of like, like cross swords, mm-hmm. you know, I was glassing to the right and he was glassing to the left, even though he was sitting on my right. And, um, so I was like, man, I got nothing. I got nothing. I've picked apart everything twice. And he's like, uh, I'm covering this area a second time. And he's like, oh man, one just stood up. He's like, I've got one. So we're looking, I'm like, what is it? And he's like, man, I wish he was a little bigger, but it's a three by four. He's not horrible. He's not trophy. But, uh, you know, what do you think? And I was like, hmm. All right, let's look at how we're going to get there. So the easiest way to explain it is ridge one, two, and three. We're at the peak of ridge one, and he is on the front face of ridge three. So we formulate a plan that if we drop down into the creek and come up the backside of Ridge 2, 
and we might have a have a line of sight and have an angle because right now where we're at we're somewhere between 800 and a thousand yards you know away so um i'm like man it's a lot of work to go for an average you know muley right and he's like well we haven't seen shit you know what i mean and I don't think we're going to see anything because we're not going to have any temperature change, you know, for several more days. So we might need to at least make a play on this one. You know, Hey, we might get there and he might be gone anyways, but I think we got to try. And I'm like, okay, let's, you know, let's give it a shot. So we drop down, down the Creek, back up the Ridge. We're, we're all pretty gassed, you know, at this point and we get up to the top and, um, I'm like, holy shit, you know, we can, we can do this, you know, from this, from this ridge, we can, we can shoot this thing. And so I've got, like I said, I've got this custom built 300 PRC, uh, actually shout out to Patrick, the owner of 717 Armory in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, former scout sniper. He, uh, he built the rifle for me and it is, man, it is a work of art. You know, it's got all top of the line stuff on it. It's better than I'll ever be, you know, behind right. a rifle. And um, so we get in, into position. Now, I know that I'm going to be shooting from the prone position. So I strip my bino harness. And because no one wants to lay on a bino harness, you know, right. prone. Right. So I strip it. And but that's where my rangefinder is. So I get into position and I was like, shit, I don't have a rangefinder. I'm like, Justin, what's the range? And he's like, um, and then real fast, he's like, you better hurry again. He's getting ready to boogie. And I'm like, ah, shit, 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 shit. You know, so there's like, like panic at the disco moment. And I'm like, 315, you said? So I pull out my Kestrel. And if anybody doesn't know what a Kestrel is, Kestrel is kind of like a TI-85 with a little bit of NASA mixed in with it. You pre-program it with your barrel length, um, the distance from the middle of your scope to the middle of the barrel. You program the grain of your bullet, the feet per second, you know, muzzle velocity. And um, you also program your latitude, the wind, the temperature. And the only thing you got to fucking do is enter the yardage. That's it. (laughs) And it tells you exactly where to turn your turret. And of course, you program in what your turret is, if you're TMOA or, you know, what you have, if you're mil spec or whatever. So... It's got everything in there for my gun. And I, before I left the trip, I was one, one inch groups at 500 yards. And, um, so I have everything entered in there and I type in 315. So I turned to it, which it tells me 3.4 on my turret. I go to 3.4 and I'm like, all right, boys, as soon as he turns broadside, fire in the hole. And everybody's like, ha, ha, you know, and now it's like, all right, this is real. This is what we hiked all the way up the side of this mountain for is for this moment of truth. I pull the trigger and he does a backflip and I'm like, done. Got it. Slam dunk. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. He stands back up and walks away. (laughs) What? (laughs) And I was like, uh, what? So I was, I'm like, something's not right. Like this there's no way I should miss, you know what I mean? This gun and this Kestrel, everything's perfect. You know, like what happened? And it, and I know that I wasn't questioning the shot because 
the shot, uh, the, the rifle was on the bipod and at that angle, it was actually the rifle, the butt of the, the rifle was sitting on the ground. So I wasn't even having to support it at all. Right. I mean, it just, everything was, was rock solid. And I'm like, something's not right. Something's not right. So I scramble, I go back and I grab my range finder and I range it and I get 375. Jeez. <laughs> and I'm like, three, one, five, three, seven, five, you know? And I'm like, oh my gosh. Now we had a ton of sun that was coming in and I don't know if that gave, um, it gave Justin a wrong number. Um, or if he was just excited and read it wrong off of his, or, or did he catch a branch of a tree, right, you know, yeah. in between us and the muley and, and, uh, and I'm like, oh my gosh. Now, uh, we did go and look for the muley, uh, Justin, actually he did himself. He bombed down the, down the drainage and back up. And just to verify, no blood, no dead muley, you know, right. and it was just a clean mess. Um, so I'm, I get back into service that night and I'm hiking. I, I hiked angry off the mountain, mind you. Shout out to John Barklow. I hiked angry as shit off that mountain. I was pissed. Yeah. You know, I'm not a poor loser, but I hate to lose. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really hate to lose and, um, I'm just pissed. And that was an avoidable situation, you know? Yeah. Um, so we get down and we get back into phone service. Well, I have to back up. So we're hiking down the mountain. We had just come up that trail like three hours prior. We we laid down six boot tracks, you know, between me, Justin, and the cameraman. And none of our boot tracks are visible. It's all grizzly tracks now. Oh, geez. And there's like four more fresh piles of grizzly shit. And... The cherry on top is a fresh mule deer doe skull, still bloody. Fun. Right on the game trail. And so me, with my career background, been around enough crime scenes, I take my finger and I wipe the blood off the skull. And I was like, ooh, uh, yeah, like it's time to haul ass because that's like 30, 45 minutes fresh. Cool. It's really time to haul ass. So we get the hell off the mountain and we get back down to the base, get to the truck and, and we get to service and, and I'm texting the guy, Patrick, who built the, the rifle. And I'm not like, I feel like a dick. You know what I mean? I'm like, Oh my God, I'm freaking. And, um, anyways, he's like, yeah, that's about a 10 to 12 inch drop, you know? Right. is what that difference is at that distance at that, uh, you know, on that gun. So he's like, yeah, I mean, that totally explains why you shot right underneath him. And he's like, how was left and right? I'm like, left and right was friggin' money, you know? Right. But, uh, <laughs> so anyways, that was, uh, that was, that was it, man. And yeah. And then we had, um, we checked some other areas that were a less berry, so to speak. And then the last night I was there, we knew, we knew a big front was coming in. Um, we had like 40, 50 mile an hour winds that came in the last night. And then the next day was bringing in a day, a a solid, solid downpour, like hurricane style rain. And then the day after that, they were getting like eight to nine inches on the mountain. So I'm like, the options are stay here in a hotel, hunker down for four or five days, 
let this bad storm pass, and then we can get back after it. Um, and I'm like, man, it's time to call it. You know what I mean? It's yeah. time to go. So that was that was Wyoming. So I mean, I, I learned a little. Um, you know, I also, I, I mean, I learned a lot. Justin taught me a, a ton about what to look for, areas that they like to be in, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. And the terrain is very different between Colorado and Wyoming. And, uh, but I, I learned a shit ton from him and I forever thank him for that. Um, you know, it was also reiteration and a reminder to everybody else when you're ranging shit at long distance, don't just get, don't take the first number. Like, purposely yeah. make yourself range rearrange 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 and if you're getting a variance in your numbers keep doing it until you get a cons- you know you get yeah. consistency on your on your numbers yeah i i range like a like a fiend all the time like when i'm hunting it's just i have adhd with ranging it's like i have to constantly do it like i'll be like oh do i remember that tree i think it's 26 let me check you know it's like i'm constantly kind of checking it because i'm yeah. always worried that I'm, like animals going to come in and i'm going to forget Cause I have a bad memory to begin with. I'm going to forget what, what the number is, you know, but yeah, yeah. The, uh, that's cool, man, that you've had a chance to do muley hunts in two different States and two different, very kind of, uh, different terrain, you know, yeah, it's always yeah. anytime you can hunt like that, you know, either different species or the same species as different places. It's just, it creates a mental Rolodex of, um, almost like artificial intelligence where you start to see things like, I don't want to see the mm-hmm. muley's eyes, but you start to see like similarities between what they look for, no matter where you're at, there's similar things that are going to kind of be consistent at each spot. Yeah. And you know, the Colorado style, um, I, I mean, I definitely learned a lot, but I, I think a lot of the reason why I had success was because it was very similar to pronghorn. Um, mountain mountain muleys i mean in reality it's you got to find them and you know yeah you can get lucky and you might glass one up at 100 200 yards away or something like that uh i you know i've said it before i'm not that lucky so um you know using using the loophole spotter um i don't work with this company at all i paid full retail for it but a product called magview Mm. um i purchased their product and had that mounted on my scope with the magnet on my phone. And because, you know, when you spend that much time glassing with one eye, man, it really, I, I get headaches. It starts to strain a little bit. So by having your phone on there and put it in video mode, even though you're not filming anything, but put it in video mode, you can actually kind of sit back away from your spotter. And, you know, you got a big screen and you can use both of your eyes equally. Yeah. So you're not straining because, that's the other part. If you're straining one eye through the spotter and then it's like, oh shit, it's time to shoot. You know, you might be a little funky, you know? Um, I always get water, so watery eyes. Nice. I always get watery eyes from that for whatever reason. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah. then, like my vision gets, not my vision gets blurry, but it'll feel like it's constantly wanting to water, which then in return makes my vision slightly blurry, you know, but at least out of that, out of that eye. So I've actually looked at that uh, viewfinder before. I think because didn't it come out recently? Wasn't it like this summer or maybe last summer when they when they launched it? Uh yeah, because I bought at um I bought it at one of the tax shoots. I never okay. even heard of them until I 
I came across them in July at the Park City Tack. They were there. Nice. So then you're now back. But yeah, in those Iowa. are those are cool. Right. Yeah. So you're you're now back in Iowa, and I think we've been rolling for about an hour. I think what we'll do is uh, we'll keep this one to like the Western and Africa stuff because. I have a feeling you're going to have a larger story to tell for your uh, for for whitetails here in the next couple of weeks since we're just getting into the getting good. If you know what I'm saying. Uh, I'm I you kind of lost me there for a second. The I'm back in Iowa and what now? Sorry. Oh yeah, I was just saying that uh, you're back in Iowa now. But I think what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll have a part two of this that will focus on whitetails because I think your story is yet to be written for the whitetails. Yes. Yes. Very much so. And man, I hope it's a good one because it's starting off slow as shit right now. <laughs> Dude. Well, I mean, you know, just, I, just... I, I lost, well, oh, I was... and I lost that really, I lost my good lease and I'm back to my crappy lease, uh, that I've had for a while. And you know, it, it just doesn't hold a lot of stuff and I'm catching, I, that property has always been, I'm trying to make it better and trying to make it better. And it's gotten a little better, but it's still a cut through, you know, piece. Yeah. It just, it's always been that way. Yeah. The, uh, do you have, uh, I mean, it's funny, man, because what you're kind of mentioning with just like the, not having or, you know, it being kind of slow or whatever. Like I've heard that mm-hmm. from, a, from a ton of dudes just in general, like in, in a bunch of different states. Like I know buddies of mine in, in Ohio right now. A handful of them have they're having some really bad EHD issues where it's like they can't find a good oh, yeah. like to to save their life. You know, just like they're finding more dead deer than than they're finding just deer in general. You know, I have seen yeah, I've seen a lot of the EHD stuff come out of Ohio, but for the most part in the Midwest, it's just been freaking warm. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's it's kind of crazy. I mean, just three days ago here it was eighty seven degrees. Ooh, yeah, that's a heater, man. I because. I, I've been watching the weather out there just because I'm getting ready to leave for Kansas. Well, you and I are going to be there, not probably too far mm-hmm. apart from one another. And I've been just kind of watching. It yep. looks like it's at least going to start to cool down a little bit. I can't see out to exactly when I'm going to get there because I'll be there probably the second week in November. I think I'll get there like the fifth officially and start hunting the fifth. I might get there the fourth, but I won't start hunting till Saturday. Um, yep. So I'm hoping that we're trending in the right direction for weather because I don't really want to hunt the plains with no shade at. 85 degrees (laughs) yeah exactly yeah i the the spot that i'm gonna go to um is different from where i was just at um i was hunting with a with a buddy of mine nate and um there's a i linked up with an outfitter that's in the same unit you know that my tag's good for he's a brand new outfitter and it was kind of one of those deals like hey man um it's my second year in business. I've got great properties. We've got a lot of good deer on camera. Um, but we sunk a lot of money into these properties and we don't have a lot left over for marketing. Is there anything that we can do together? You know, any way right. we can kind of work together. And so um I'm gonna go there and try to help him out. You know, mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna kind of waive the trespass fee, so to speak, and kind of let me go in there and do my thing and and uh you know give give a little promotion to him so he could he could definitely use it and seems like a really nice guy and he's trying to do the right thing with kansas being a draw state unfortunately for him he had a lot of hunters that did not draw this year so he's like oh shit you know he was banking on you know making money and um 
So he's kind of like, man, if there's anything we can do to help each other out, you know, let's, let's do it. So I'm, uh, I'm going to head back there and, and, you know, it's also one of those deals too, like with my buddy, he's got a bunch of properties and, um, I always feel guilty going and shooting one of his bucks. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and, and he's always been such a good host and he has a couple of buddies that come and hunt with him every year. And I'm like, Hey, if I don't come there, that's just one less, you know, that's one extra buck running around, you know what I mean? So that's what I'm going to go do. And, um, but yeah, so I've kind of left it with him. Like, Hey, when you start seeing daylight cameras start lighting up, you know, holler at me and, and I'll slide, slide over there from Iowa. But yeah, I'm going to kind of buckle down here for a little while before, you know, I've got about another month before I head to Saskatchewan, you know, back to Saskatchewan. So, yep. Nice. Well, we'll make a plan that, uh, hopefully <clears throat> we're going to call our shot. We're going to, we're going to get back on the, uh, the podcast and we're going to talk about an Iowa buck laid down and two Kansas bucks laid down and a Pennsylvania buck. Damn yep. it. I'm going to kill one of these mountains. And a Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania buck. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, and you know, when I go to Saskatchewan, um, the the tentative plan is actually to chase muleys there too. Damn, dude, you're so like all kind of been a kind of been a yeah, yeah. All, all up well, in those muleys. Yeah, I just I didn't draw any elk tags this year. I was kind of bummed about that. Um, so I did a hard transition real fast, and I said, you know, maybe we'll just make this a mule deer year, you know, and immerse myself in muleys and see see how much I can learn in one season you know, right. about, about muleys. And I can't think of any different scenarios. Like you got plains open spot and stock with a bow mountain, Wyoming, you know, rifle, and then Saskatchewan, you know, deep timber, frigid snow muleys, you know, I'm like, <laughs> man, that covers all the bases right there. You yeah. Know? Yeah, man. Like you gotta, you gotta, that's like one of those ice creams where you just, or wait, no, it's, it's that soda fountain drink you make as a kid, the graveyard where you just put all the shit in it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yep. So well, I'm cool, just man. trying to learn, learn as much as I can, um, about, about muleys and, and then next year, you know, kind of flip that script back to, you know, back to elk and, right get back on that so we'll see nice well brother we've been we've been powering through for a little over an hour yeah. I'm, I'm gonna let you go be cool. sensitive to your time let people know where they can yeah. find out more about primal divide johnny utah johnny utah creative where they can find all your stuff yeah <laughs> so uh primal divide my show uh i switched over to the waypoint tv network and uh they've done something really cool with all of the app programs that are out there and you can still watch the show via their app but they have also became, they've kind of got their big boy pants on and they became an actual native channel on a lot of the streaming services. So if you already have Pluto or Sling or Samsung TV, and there's there's a couple more, Vizio, there's a couple more that are out there, but there's an actual Waypoint channel. So you can watch Primal Divide uh, four times a week on that network, or you can simply just go to the app and you can watch it. Um, and then Johnny Utah hunt on Instagram is, uh, you know, my, my personal Instagram that I use the most, and that's going to be more of your, uh, day to day updates with what I'm doing and jackassery and whatnot. <laughs> Whatever Tom Fullery you've got going on. Tom, Tom Fullery. Yeah. yeah. Tom and Fullery, I try, I try not to be political on my personal Instagram, but every once in a while, 
you know, it's got to it's got to happen. Tom Fuller, that's a phrase you don't hear often enough anymore. You know, no, uh, uh-uh. Tom, Tom, you're up to a bunch of Tom Fullery. <laughs> uh, with that, man, we're going to go ahead and get out of here before it gets weird. <laughs> All right, folks, that is a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And while you're at it, head over to YouTube and give us a sub there as well. I'd be super appreciative if you do those couple things for me. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Spartan Forge, Exodus, and Skull Brew Coffee Company. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.